Have you subscribed to our podcast? If not, what are you waiting for? To support this podcast, subscribe to the Elise and John show on your favorite podcast platform. We recorded part one of episode two the day before President-elect Biden was announced as the winner of the 2020 presidential election. In part one of this episode, we process election week and the events and media coverage surrounding it in anticipation of the official results. We get into discussions on our countries of origin, Cuba and Eritrea, and what it's like as first-generation Americans to have these kinds of discussions with family and community members. Have a listen and stay tuned until next week for part two. This is the Elise and John Show. Hot damn! It's a new day! (laughs) <laughs> it is it's a it's a new day it's november 6th friday yes. we're all on edge everybody right now doesn't know what's gonna happen we know biden is gonna win projected to we know biden is win. winning he is the president-elect he is winning he's he is he's Got more. he's got more he's got more elect elector college electoral college whatever the hell He's got more points. <laughs> no, he's going to win. That's it. I mean, at this point and at any other in any other election, at this point already we would have had a concession. Yep. That's correct. That is correct. I am playing the game of I'm waiting till I see it to believe it, you know? It's very clear to me that that there's a level of selfishness beyond lack of education on some occasions and beyond being ignorant to the way that government and politics works. There's this level of selfishness. Donald Trump, for example, it's very clear now to everybody. I hope everybody out there is listening now that everyone has spoken. He does not give mm-hmm. a shit about what the American people want Mm-mm. because the American people have spoken. And what is he doing? He is saying this is not fair. He's having a tantrum like a child, right? Because when you're a child, you think about yourself. It's a safety thing. Great. I get that. Mm-hmm. But all he's thinking about is himself. Selfish. Yeah. Yeah. And to think we even, we even, we even knew, we even prepared for this. And he still showed up with that mm-hmm. same. We said, that we, this is going to happen like this. We're going to get the majority of the votes. And the second that happens, he's going to do what he does, which is <laughs> very predictable. It's just, I remember growing up, man, there was always some kid that like in the neighborhood that played basketball like that. Just just never like could just take an L. Just lose. Yeah. Just take an L. Just he never could. And you know what? It's it's also a narrative. It's it's mm-hmm. not just take the L, but allow somebody else to have the win. Yeah. Give him credit. Give him the respect. They if they won, they won. I will give Trump all right, I'll give Trump this. He he did he did go on a tear and he, you know what I mean? Like in 2016, however he stole it. <laughs> He went on a tear and you know what? He on some gangster stuff, he really did galvanize and ignite a whole bunch of like dark stuff in America that we haven't seen in a while. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we now sifted the shit to the top. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The shit is there. It is on top. 
It is clear as day. I'm feeling shook. The police are like just detained 600 plus people here in Minneapolis. Yes. Was it uh, two nights ago? I don't even know. I was up all night. And that's where some of the anxiety is because we know Biden's going to win. But that for me, I know that means that the fight with police brutality and all this other stuff is now it's now really, really, really real. The way that they held us on the, the freeway, not me, but people in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So what happened was there was a protest in Minneapolis and it was already in the calendar, regardless of who was going to win the election. It was there all, way beforehand and it was designed to speak to the injustices that are happening. And they knew that it didn't matter who would win. There's so much BS happening. So they did the the march, the protest. It was great. And like every protest that's been happening this year, they hit the highway. They go on the highway, they disrupt it a little bit, and then get off. And this time they got on the highway and the police immediately bum rushed them, wouldn't let them off the highway, blocked it. And then when they asked the police, hey, what are you doing? Why aren't you letting us off the highway? They were silent. They said nothing. Nikema Levy Armstrong, an activist here who was, you could see the video of her just saying, who who called this? Who who said to do this? This sort of tactic yeah. is pretty much a scare tactic. They're just trying to say, hey, you know, we're not going to allow you to just, you know, speak freely and speak out against issues and, and whatever. They want to control the 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 people and make them afraid to even want to like <laughs> exercise their right this bullshit is so subjective because okay we are right now for all of the uh, i think it was in pennsylvania or one of or maybe nevada where the the poll workers are counting ballots and there are trump supporters that are outside pretty much threatening the safety of everybody there and the trump supporters that are outside are carrying weapons okay nobody's getting fucking arrested if it was people of color or people mm-hmm. that were on the other side of this standing there with Ooh. the same clip and the same four five, okay? Oh my god! Everybody would have been arrested. Yeah, people would have gotten people. Yeah, at the or least. shot. They would or shot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They are going to open fire if we do not show up as a uh, militarized, organized group with guns and information. Then they just take take us on and, and and you see them just throwing their bike and punching protesters. You see this all I the time. I saw that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, man. This reminds me of this, like just bullies. That is clearly a stance they're making that says they want to be the enemy. They hate us for whatever reason, and they have absolutely no ability to to bridge like some sort of gap like this different. They have no ability to to control their emotions. They should be able to not escalate things and they cannot help but escalate things. Protesters are typically here in Minneapolis. They've been very peaceful. There's no need to hold those people on the highway for five hours. Five hours, no need to spend that money and resources for that. Absolutely not. And it was a, a, a lit party though. You know, if you ever want to dig into it, people were, it was a DJ, there was music. So it was just a, like 600 people having a good time and keeping their spirits up and, and being in community and exchanging resources so that people can get locked up. They know where to go after immediately. Or when they detain them, they take them to random places and they have a ride back. But it's just unreasonable that the governor would allow this and he has the power to shut that down. So how does this governor say that, that Black Lives Matter, but also allows this? That's why I'm like, let's just call it like, if we got the numbers, let Biden just get the W mm-hmm. and go. 
in our last episode, we talked about how we haven't been able to process uh, the fact mm. that a black Asian female vice president is about yeah. to step into the White House. And that's right. And I want to I want to I want to do that. I want to process that because yeah. this morning as I was watching mm-hmm. the CNN, um, they did have a moment where they started addressing it. And I, I almost was like mm-hmm. breaking down in tears. And I realized it's because I still have not. I still to this very moment, I know that Biden is going to win. So this very moment, it's, I know what it is. I know it's huge. I know my body's going to feel it. Mm-hmm. I still have not yep. gotten to the point where I'm sitting in that and appreciating mm-hmm. that. The history that we're making. It's yeah. amazing. And yeah. what, something that, before we get into that positive space, something that infuriated me uh, about the conversation that was happening on CNN was mm-hmm. there was, there was one black woman that was on the panel that was there. Everybody else was white. There was another white woman and I think two white men. And when they started talking about it, the white woman is the one that brought it up. And she said, we should acknowledge that we're about to have, and she pauses, I can see her thinking, I can see her being careful. We're about to have a, 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 a woman vice president. And in my head, I'm like, you better say it. <laughs> say and she, and then, then another one of the men goes, a woman of color. And she goes, a woman of color. I'm like, why aren't you saying that she's a black woman? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And then the black woman chimes in and she goes, as a black woman, I'd like to say, I'm like, but why, why you can't say black? Is it a bad word? They, they have not. Well, look, historical forces, I guess you could call it. You could call it that. Histor- history has taught them to not acknowledge. They just started, they just started you know, yeah. uh, uh, seeing people's color, like for being really real. And, if it's, and it's almost as if it's a faux pas. It's a faux pas to say, oh, she's a black woman. I'm really happy that black woman said something, too, because there's moments, too, where you will see black women or just women of color just kind of, they will just let that mm-hmm. happen. You know what I mean? Like a white woman is afraid to say black and they will, because of whatever reason, maybe they'll just let it happen right. instead of being like, you mean black? Yeah. They're just afraid. They're afraid, period. And for many different reasons. And it's like, damn, still? So if you're afraid to say black, you probably don't have relationships with black people where you feel comfortable talking about their blackness. That means you are in a white space. And if you are always walking on eggshells, that means you have not done that kind of work to kind of get comfortable in what's appropriate and what's not. And you're not in that space where you feel comfortable to make mistakes, right? I mean, look, even even doing this podcast, for example, is a risk. You and I are sitting here and we're talking about things outwardly and we're talking about what we think and we're talking and we're here taking a risk knowing that maybe I might say something. There's a very good possibility that I might say something that I need to be corrected on or that I'm ignorant to. And that's fine. But we have to be willing to do this. Yeah. Yep. 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 I mean, yeah, like she's a journalist, too. I mean, they're news Mm -hmm. anchors or the anchors, but they're under that umbrella of a, a journalist like Get in there. To me, it, re- it reads as like this white woman was just like, you know, we have a woman, right? And like team women. Here's the thing with saying women, part of saying that, of being a feminist, right? A part of being a woman's woman is to specifically acknowledge the individuality of women. 
each one of us. So it's yes. not it's not about continuing to classify us and say we're just women. No, we are Latinx women. We are Black women. We are Black or a- Black and Asian women. And trans women. We're supposed to be Ooh. celebrating each other in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about, if we're going to talk about women, what's up with the white women and that 55%? How about that? That was painful. How about that? Does that piss you off? It does. It pisses me off. And at the same time, it makes me, it makes me sad to know that they, Mm. they still feel they need to do that. And they still need to be agents for the patriarchy and and the toxic patriarchy. Mm. But I, I, when I talked to my niece and nephew as they were growing up, I used to tell them, especially when there were a lot of school shootings, I would tell them, listen, I can't tell you what's going to happen today. I don't know who's going to die today. I don't know what's going to go down. I can tell you that ultimately, good always surpasses evil. In some shape or form, it will happen. And this is that mm. moment where it's like, we've been waiting a lot of years, kids, but uh, good is surpassing evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like we have yeah. a black... An Asian yeah. <laughs> woman vice president. We have a president who has tried. This is his third time trying to be president. Okay. Biden. It is? Yes. Wow. This is his third time running for president. And finally, he's winning based off of his character of empathy. He's a man that has a stutter. This is somebody that That's we would, right. if you were in high school, he'd be getting made fun of. At least in our day. That's maybe right. not Maybe not so much nowadays. But like, And he is being made fun of right now yeah. in, in areas that we don't. Yeah. It's not mainstream, but we know. Yeah. Even and yet, Trump is making fun of him. It's ridiculous. It's really sad. But ultimately, they came out on top. Like, they're winning. Like, good. this is the moment where we need to, we need to remember this moment and not give so much attention to Agent Orange having a tantrum rolling around on the floor in the White House. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It's hard. It's something that's hard to do because we're having visceral reactions to it. It makes me want to throw up sure. everything I've ever eaten in my life. Thinking about this yeah. motherfucker, but yes, I can't give him that power. You know what I mean? It's it's hard. No, no, we. Can, I mean, we can't and we won't. I am really enjoying Biden winning right now mm-hmm. today here on Friday as we you know as we stand here knowing we're gonna win mm-hmm. right like we just know it. It really feels good to get this. You know what I mean? I'm not just savor in this moment because if it, if it was the other way around, if we were like. Playing out all these different scenarios, and it was like Biden was behind, and we had to hope for like a hail mary. It would be this would be a whole different vibe sure. right now, and I wouldn't. I, I agree. I with wouldn't that. know where we would be right there. But I got to tell you, because we have this sort of leverage, I I do want to mention how fucked up it is that black men were. I don't know. There's like a percentage higher of the votes were black oh, yeah. men. Donald Trump got uh, got himself. <sighs> he bagged quite a few black votes. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I'm not, um, you know, I don't know much about the voting thing. And I don't know if it's just a matter of like more of the percentage of black men were, they showed up, but it was like ratio to last time. Same with the women, you know, like more women, like. It was like the same percentage that were like all for him. But this time, the ones that were for him that didn't vote last time voted. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the folks who were just kind of like, I don't see them being like a conversion. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Mm-hmm. I hope what I'm saying is I hope he wasn't able to convert. We know statistically he was able to grab 
more percentage of voters from these groups, women yeah. and black men, which is disgusting. Like you're disgusting if you did that. That's so I have a question about that. Hold on. My dog is like, she's like a child of the corn right now. She's staring at uh, like the corn of her wall. Can you come here, Fox? Foxy, mm-hmm. come here. Are you all right, homie? You want to go out? Mm-hmm. Something in the air. Yo, she was staring in the corner of the room like... A straight up child of the corn. It was weird. What do you mean, looking at the corner? Or she was from in the corner, the corner like with her face in the corner. <gasps> like, like a timeout. Like, yeah, she, was time she out? put herself in timeout. I don't know what happened. What's going on? Um. Whoa! Next time, take a picture of that. That's I unprecedented. Sh- I really should have. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Let's say that you that mm. you had to guess, right? Let's put ourselves in the ultimate space of empathy. Okay. Put yourself in the shoes of a black man that voted for Donald Trump. What do you think? could have possibly led that to happen. If you were this black man, what would be the reason you think to vote for Donald Trump? Like what? Cause I would like to debunk okay. that right now. <laughs> One of the theories is mental health. I agree. Regarding, regarding individuals who just, uh, who see and hear messages from Trump and for whatever reason, their brain, like it, it, it just, it, it clicks to them as, as like facts, as law, as like something that's I like I mean, Kanye whatever. West is a perfect example of exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. So one one percentage, well, one group of these folks I know has to be that. Another percentage of these folks are, uh, I think there's no there's no like hard and fast category, but these people are either they grew up in that culture of Republican diehard, mm-hmm. right, and they just have never left, or I'm chalking this up to mental health stuff, right? Where they just either they they have like some sort of like mm, inability to like discern what's real and what's not, pretty much, and they they take him as their god almost. <laughs> I, I mean, you yeah. hear the stories, yeah. Or you have the other mental health where a person is like hyper narcissistic, contrarian. You know, black guy who's a coon, right? Who's just like out there to kind of, you know have the oppressor pick him to be the you know mm-hmm. and they're all, or you know and they think they're just being like uh more objective and shocking and they think that they you know are the woke version and they are always trying to go against the quote-unquote black agenda but bitch, there's no black agenda what the fuck and it's sad because the only ex- explanation i have for them is either a they have been brought up in that culture and they literally have not left like the, their physical space like mm-hmm. where they live the town and the city mm-hmm. and their influences have kind of left in there um and their religion has a factor and all these sorts of things that kind of you know it locks them in unfortunately and then the other motherfucking thing is the narcissist and they just need to be some sort of person that it, like they don't truly care about the republican party and trump these black people that are doing this because i think that most people don't know what the republican party wants I, I think most people have not, you know, gone on to like, I went onto the Republican Party's website to see what it is that they want. Like, what it is, what is it that you stands, what do you stand for? What is, what makes you a Republican? And I think that most people don't, don't really know what that is. Right. And then the other one is class. So if you're, if you're really wealthy, yeah, right. And you're black mm-hmm. and you don't. <laughs> And you don't, you don't have like 50 cents a great example. This is a black Little man Wayne. who. No. Well, yeah, well, 50 cents, yeah, 50 cents more or so was just about the money about it. 
right? Like that mm-hmm. was his whole thing. He knows Trump sucks. He but 50's in a different space where he's safe. He's secure. His blackness is not. It's not going to affect him as much as it is. Hell right. no. He hasn't had to think about the police as being an actual threat to him in years. He, you know, he walks around without fear. He walks around without fear. So he has the, the, he has the freedom and he has nobody around him. That's the other factor. Nobody around him to, to make him, uh, you know, accountable to the bullshit. And they are afraid to tell him. No, you can't do that. That is some bullshit. That's wrong. Yeah. That's why you always, you always see, you'll see these rappers doing that. Money is like, you know, that's why these uh, black Republicans are what they are. Like these entrepreneurs who are black, who all of a sudden leave behind, you know, <laughs> the, their, their blackness. And I think that they're, that a part of, a part of just in general, BIPOC people is that we're shamed we're shamed to mm. believe that it's it's really not as good as whiteness. Like, mm. I will tell you that mm. for me, for myself, and, and now that I'm thinking about this, I, I would like to touch on also Latinos mm. voting for Trump, particularly the Cuban community. But um, when I was younger, mm. um, and I just had a conversation about this recently with my very best friend of all time, Jacenia. And we talked about how when we were younger, we were almost, we would leave the house and be like, do I look too uh, Latino? Like, uh, are my hoops too big? Is my hair too <laughs> curly? You know what I mean? Like, oh, and, yeah. I, and I recognize that, that that is part of being whitewashed. Yep. I, rec- I, I totally recognize that, that, you know, that feeling of that shame of you look unkept. You look yeah. like you're too much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It. That is. That is part of that whole white supremacy. It's insidious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you got a motherfucker named Herman Cain, right? Who died, black man, right? He went to Trump's uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma convention in support. He's a black Republican, and he didn't want to wear a mask. He didn't think that that was important. Yeah. And he died. And not only did he die, his Twitter. After he died, was still putting out tweets in support of Trump. Trump's campaign don't care about him. I saw, and I don't know if this was real because you never know what you what you see on the internet, right? Um, fake news. Yeah, it could fake be news. fake news, but uh, there was an image of a backstage. So there's a website for those who people who are not uh, actors or in in the acting world. Uh, there's a website called Backstage where you find auditions. And there was an audition, a screenshot of an audition moving around the internet on backstage uh, looking for black actors to take them to Trump rallies. Hiring black actors to go to Trump rallies. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. So exactly. The, right. So the Cuban community also, oh gosh, it's very frustrating Mm -hmm. um, and it's very sad. The Cuban community in primarily Miami. I mean, they pretty much give Trump the floor to vote. Okay, let's be real here. Um, Mm. Mm. They, it's very difficult for my generation of uh, of Democrats, Cuban American Democrats, because our parents' generation and uh, you know the Cubans that immigrated around the time that our parents immigrated. So I'm 33 years old. Around the time that my parents immigrated here, the Cubans from that generation will always just consistently vote Republican. Some of hmm. them voted for Obama. A big chunk of them voted for Obama, which I was surprised about. Oh. But um, why? Why did they vote for Obama? I don't. I honestly don't know. And I need to. I need hmm. to. I'm good. I will talk to my family some more about this. 
but they always vote Republican. And even then, like I've heard some of my family members saying like, I can't stand Donald Trump. I cannot stand him, but I can't vote Democrat. And the reason why, in my opinion, it's not something that's like statistically or psychologically proven, but in my opinion, from what I've seen- this whole show is that. Yeah, this whole show is that. that. That's a good disclaimer. Yeah, don't you guys, don't, don't you dare take us as facts. This is all opinion-based. Um, I see I see them, for lack of a better, less triggering term, I see them mm. like a battered spouse that keeps going back to somebody who's going to abuse them. Damn. Because mm. they came from Cuba, from a communist regime that gave Mm. them a million promises that said all of these things that then led to people being murdered and you know they come here and they think because the republicans are telling them oh we can't we can't negotiate with cuba we can't do anything with the cuban government to them that is like yes you are right i will never we cannot negotiate with this communist regime nothing can possibly happen here and from what i see the Republican government just kind of wants to starve out the Cuban government. But that, you know what that means? That yeah. my grandma starves. Exactly right. right. The people Embargos, starve. The, yeah. yeah. So when Obama opened things up, when Obama opened yeah. things up, the Cubans that voted for him were so, felt so betrayed because, <laughs> and there's some Cubans, I, I'm not kidding. There's some Cubans that will never go back to, they, they say, I will not go back to Cuba because if I go back to Cuba, I'm supporting the government. Because wow. it's it's rough. I get it. Look, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. The people there are not living right. That that's a third world country. When I went to Cuba, it was ruins. I went to Santiago de Cuba, which is not Havana. It's on the other side of the right. island, and that's not that's not a beautiful space. It's a beautiful feeling. The people of Cuba are beautiful, amazing yeah. energy. When we come to America, when immigrants come here, we're sold a certain like story. Exactly. We're, we're, fl- we're leaving a certain, sometimes I'll say, not always, we're, we're leaving a, a, a good life. And then we're just coming here to get an education or some sort of like thing and mm-hmm. then come back. That That's very common too. But if you're, if you are leaving it like like you're saying a third third world country it's weird it's sad because like some people just have a certain like resentment from their government wherever they mm-hmm. coming from wherever they left they feel a certain way about their their government back home and their their mind is made up yeah anything there's, is there's better like, than that and they're going to defend that to the grave yeah and the vantage point that a lot of people have unfortunately is not they don't see the whole picture globally, right? Like when you are an immigrant and you're just trying to get to America, you, you're thinking my government is messed up because that's who I can see. And you may understand like global politics, but you're not really, you've never experienced America. Mm-hmm. So you don't know just just how like much bullshit they're selling too. And and how deep it goes, like to have embargoes for how many years, mm-hmm. you know, conditioning, like the way gangs are just like, oh, we're beefing with them. Why? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when you're walking. I would never forget when I was young. It was such a such a safety issue. But walking down the street and somebody being like, "What are you looking at?" It's like, "Yo, I wasn't even looking at you, bro." <laughs> yeah. Are we about to yep. fight because you think I'm looking yep. at you? Exactly right. And you're like, yeah, well, you better take that somewhere else. This is the UN. I'm coming to the UN. So get out of here. And another embargo. Take that. You sizing me up? No. <laughs> I like your shoes. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't know. 
Yeah. Oh. You invited me here too, by the way. Um, wow. <laughs> but but I got to tell you, and and, and mm-hmm. pe- there will be people in Miami that if they hear this, they I, they will they will I swear they will dox me. Okay, they will. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you're in Miami, friends, you don't know what America is. Okay. Miami is its own motherfucking country. Miami is not in Florida. Miami is its own thing. And that's part of the reason why I love Miami so very much. Okay. But at the same time, because I never, when I grew up in Miami, there was to me, I was, Mm. I was the majority. I was not the minority. How about that? I was the majority in Miami. So when I left, whenever I would leave and travel out of Miami, and when I moved here to Sarasota, there's primarily white, rich white people. Mm. That's when I started to say, holy shit. And by the way, I moved here three years ago. I am an educated 33-year-old woman who didn't truly feel what it was like to be a minority until I moved out of Miami. Yes, so there it is. Y'all that are there down there don't know that this place is actually fucking racist. Yeah. Even though I will say there's plenty mm. of the Cuban community and plenty of the Latinx community that is racist. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I have a person here, uh, Sabrina. She's in her first or second year at the U of M actor. Wonderful. She's from Miami. I'll introduce you. And... Honestly, like I could tell that first summer, you know, when she was taking improv classes, I could tell that it was constantly on her mind when she would look around, right? Like she was just like, and, I, yeah. and it's not, it's not the the palm trees and the heat. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's her being, you know, like whoa, mm-hmm. there's a lot of white people out here, mm-hmm. like a lot, and her feeling like, where did, where's all my people? Where's why am I? And, and her like navigating that, mm-hmm. I'm like able to, you know, watch her have this revelation like, holy shit. She doesn't want to have to do things that are saying statements like, I'm a woman of color. She doesn't want to have to do that because she's coming from Miami where she is the majority, like yep. you're talking about. She doesn't have to do political pieces that speaks to her identity. Mm-hmm. She was already just doing that by being her. And another part of it, it, I feel like in terms of this Trump stuff is we have our own experience with generational trauma, right? So mm-hmm. uh, my my parents, I have definitely been around their story of immigration and that trauma and the freaking communist regime and everything that happened there. So when they come here, I want to empathize with them so bad, but I'm like, y'all, I can't. I can't, I, I can't, I can't get behind you supporting this person. It's sad. I, emp- I sad. really empathize with them. And I do. And I feel like when I went to Cuba, man, I felt it. It was like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, this is mm-hmm. where I belong. But then coming here, it's, it's, you got to evolve. You, you, we got to evolve. Yeah. I think there's this uh, idea that people, they don't give enough slack and patience to the, the immigrants who come over because the understanding that that's missing is that their reality is and their knowledge base that they pass on to their children for them that's law because mm-hmm. that their life was it at was stake. real so it was real so when they pass on these lessons to their children it's coming from a very real place that just happened sure and and, and then it's reinforced by the community the diaspora that's like <laughs> you know the community here and then the children they're not stuck they're, they're stuck in this catch-22 where well am i gonna fight with my parents and try to like educate them on that or am i going to disappoint them because either way it's a lose-lose i can't (laughs) i can't get my parents to jump on board wholeheartedly and understand where i'm coming from because they're 
they're locked in to that mindset and it's going to take somebody in their own group, their own age group, there's somebody who's who's a leader in their community who's going to be able to influence and change the minds of the folks there. It's not going to come from the children. The children will never have that power because the parents are stuck in this place of protecting the children. So whatever the parents have wired, they have to keep that. That's locked in. Something else that I wanted to say though about, you know, the fact that the older Cubans in my, in my family and in the Cuban generation are doing, they're still, there might be, they might be a little warped in their sense of voting and who they're going to vote for. But I very much appreciate, at least in my particular family, that I have been able to have lots of conversations. My dad specifically, I will have conversations with him where I disagree. And when he's starting to talk and I'm like, I can't hear this. He'll be like, I, I let you talk. So you have to let mm. me talk. And I'm like, mm. thank you for teaching me that because I don't want to be the person that's like, you only have to listen to me right now. And he listens to me yeah. and we do, have, we do have discourse about things. My uncle calls me all the time and he's like, can you, exp-? he'll tell me, can you explain to me why this is happening? Yeah. He'll, he may disagree, but then, and I will never forget, I will never forget when I told one of my family members why all lives matter is shit. And I heard him on the other side of the phone and he was like, when you put it that way, I understand it. Yes. And by the way, this, it sounds, it sounds like it's very pretty, but we are definitely screaming Cubans on the phone. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm envisioning it. That's a, that's exactly how my family is. It's very loud. I can hear my aunt right now. She's in Eritrea. She is. She don't play. And I love her. But you know what though? Like that's that's just something about the people of Cuba. Yeah. Right? There's a difference between the government and then there's a difference between the land, which is beautiful and people romanticize mm-hmm. it. But there's a there's a certain there's a certain I won't say all, but is there's a quality within the people yeah. that 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 is beautiful like that. That's probably can be found in a lot of the, the folks if given the patience and the right like, you know, um circumstance. And by the way, I'm not having these conversations with hateful people. If if anyone in my family was being hateful, mm. that's a whole other ballgame. So yeah. that I can't yeah. engage with. And religion, is that also a factor? No, not for us. Good. My family is not very religious at all. My dad used to take me to church when I was young. I never just I never connected in church, like in Catholic church. I never I never I was never connected to it. And I would be and I would I remember looking up at him and I'd be like, Do you believe what this guy's saying? And yeah. he would go, no. <gasps> Me and I would too. go, I would go, why am I here? And he said, because it's important for children to go to church. <laughs> I was like, all right, we got that understanding. I hear you. <laughs> ah, that's crazy. My dad would do the same thing. I look over, everybody's praying with their head down. I look over up at him. He's got his head down, eyes are wide open. And <laughs> all I can think is he's thinking, I need to, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. Yeah. This is uncomfortable. And I've only seen him in a church like once or twice. My whole, my, like he just, same thing. It's important for kids. Yeah. Your mom wants to go. Either either you're going to believe it or not. I don't care. Take it or leave it, kid. It's a story of a black man who was killed by the cops, essentially. That's what Jesus is. So there you go. <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. I'm connecting with this because Eritrea has the similar things, right? Where we have one leader post the war. Uh, we won our independence. And some people are like, great. We want a democracy now. Why is this guy still like in charge? He's still in charge. Isaiah Saforki. Some other people are like, honestly, he's amazing what he's done. He's gotten us through a 30-year civil war. Uh, that's impressive. Like, undeniable. 
this 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 thing is like really like complicated because it's like it's a poor country, but mm-hmm. it's got a lot of resources, so it's it's not going to exploit itself to do what other countries in Africa have. So it wants to build slowly and like secure, you know, an actual base without without it just like crumbling without it truly crumbling like this corruption in everywhere but like some of these countries that are new nations wow and it's trying Mm -hmm. to like you know it's trying to it's trying its best to be as righteous as possible but guess what happens when you do that america hates that because it's not going to benefit america so it got embargoes we got embargoes too just for being like for the record (laughs) america is a baby country too it is. It really is. It's the biggest baby and the most selfish. <laughs> it is so many ways. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it is. It's Does young, matter. but it's also having a big old... It's shitting everywhere. Somebody put a diaper on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't nobody ever say, we like, you know, share, please. America. You're, nope. We don't even hear them. Like, the fact that we had embargoes and the fact that they, like, put us on a terrorist list was... Was telling of like how how much America could give a fuck about people. It's all about like either you're gonna get down and you know we're gonna exploit your gold, mm-hmm. your resources, something. But on okay, so here's where here's where we'll leave this for now. On the bright side of things, there is a change upon us. Oh and yeah. Okay. I, yes, yes. I hope yes. that. Um, I hope that with the new presidency, the new presidency is not going to fix everything, but it's definitely going to put us in a space where I feel like everything that we've just talked talked about is just people need to hear each other. We need to hear each other. Mm-hmm. We need to hear the experiences, just like what you were just saying about Eritrea and the two mm-hmm. the two sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. We just need to hear each other and acknowledge each other's experiences because I'm, for example, I'm acknowledging my family's experience. I don't always feel like they acknowledge my experience here as an American, Cuban American, first generation. That's right. But if there were more of that, I think that we would have less of the issue that we're having right now. That's exactly right. You're 100% correct. There's no way to like get to the good ideas if we don't hear each other and figure out ways to work together. Yeah. Employ those good ideas that people do have. And you're right. It's all it's all just a matter of conversations that have not happened that need to happen. That is a big part of it. A huge part of it. People are starving and this these things could be fixed. And and we need to figure out a way to to make it make it so that you are you are incentivized and, and you're held accountable. And there's a new wave where now if people do have these major, major disagreements, fundamentally, it doesn't have to result in these extremes. We need to figure out this way where, you know, yeah. we can move beyond that because we're more civil, I believe, than, you know, than the history that we have inherited, which is not that long Certainly. ago. Yeah. And again, I said earlier today that like even doing this podcast, you think that this shit doesn't terrify me? Okay? Mm-hmm. That I'm out here saying what I think? Like we just got to do that. Yeah. We have yeah. to do it. We have to come yeah. out here and have these conversations and if somebody needs to correct me, great. I welcome it. Send us a message. Tell me what you think. Yeah. We will talk about it. But we yeah. have to be willing yeah. to do it. Yeah, the priority no longer has to be whatever's right or wrong or fact checking in in, in regards to like which, we, just which like, we're proving in this podcast. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Here. <laughs> That's right. Yes, fake news, fake news. Uh, <laughs> this is fake news, and we're reporting live from fake news is fake news. We have absolutely nothing cooperating. Nothing here is adding up. We've uh, uh, been lying, <laughs> and we'll continue to lie. It, it is all bullshit. But you know what? 
it's it's ours. It's our bullshit. We're not afraid to try. And I think that's where you're t- like back to that anchor, that white woman that was afraid to just try to say black woman. She was afraid. It's a fear. We don't know how to do it. And rightfully so. Right. Like there's there's a lot of like shit that's just like right now unforgivable. I can't go back with, you know, with with some of these things and want to make amends. Yeah, there's a duality to all of this, mm-hmm. which brings us full circle. Take the L. Yo, take the L, man. Don't do, just because that's the way it's been for so long and you have tradition does not mean that that is the way that it is supposed to be and it is not working. You've lost. Take this L and, and uh, you know, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. You about to lose your job. And it's uh, it's it has to happen that way. It has to. Mitch McConnell. You need to go get checked out, right? And like get your <laughs> go lay down in the bed. Like the whole cabinet. Y'all need to go do some y'all just need to go on break and, and go find yourself some safety. Someone needs to Marie Kondo that cabinet. Yo, exactly. Exactly. We're about to fucking do us and work on us. Like we're coming out of a toxic relationship. You about to see America uh uh you know what I'm saying, get in shape, feel good about whatever it's like it's gonna be healthy, it's gonna be happier. It's gonna get a haircut. Ooh, yes. Go yep. We need to go to the Planned Parenthood immediately and get to like STD tests right away. Right now. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Shortly after we recorded part one of this episode, Joe Biden was announced as the next president of the United States, along with Kamala Harris as vice president. The next day, we recorded part two of this episode, which will be available for your ears next week. In the meantime, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Elise and John Show.